Hello, and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Benjamin Ensor, Director of Research and Strategy at 11FS. In today's episode, we are asking, could mortgages as a service mark the future of home buying? We see embedded finance and banking as a service, or BAS, as one of the next big evolutions in financial services, whether that's embedded lending, payments, insurance, or much more. But buying a house remains the biggest and most significant purchase of most people's lifetimes. And the mortgage process remains a complete headache in many countries. So could partnerships between fintechs, banks, and non-financial players like lawyers and estate agents, where mortgage services are embedded at the point of need, be part of the answer? In this show, we put together a panel of amazing experts to discuss how has mortgages as a service developed so far? What are the challenges to this approach? And what could the future look like if this takes off? We'll discuss all this and more in today's show, but first a few brief messages. Don't go away. Hello and welcome LFG people to Fintech Insider. Blockchain Insider. 11FS Spotlight. 11FS Explores. Open mic night. After dark. Through our podcasts, videos, newsletters, and live events, we have a direct line to a truly global fintech community. So if you're looking to sponsor and collaborate on content that connects with everybody from fintech beginners to the biggest VCs, then chat to our team at sponsors at 11fs.com or visit 11fs.com to find out more. Long live the community. Let's get started. As always, I'm joined by a panel of outstanding guests who are going to shed lots of light on this question. First off, it's a fintech insider debut for Andrew Lloyd, Chief Customer Officer of PEXA UK. Thank you so much for being here, Andrew. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and a little bit about PEXA, please? Sure. Thanks, Benjamin, and uh, great to be here. So let me just start by introducing a bit about PEXA, probably a name that not many people have heard of here in the UK, but just like everyone should have in Australia. Um, so PEXA's aim is fundamentally to streamline the, the property buying, selling and remortgage experience through a, an exchange platform that connects various different parties together and enables the, the seamless movement of the, the underlying security. So that the home or the, the property, as well as the funds alongside it, launched in Australia in 2012, and we now handle 96% of property transactions in Australia. And we've just launched here in the UK in September with our first transaction going through with Hinkley Rugby Building Society. Um, and we've got our second lender, Shawbrook, on live as well, and more lenders on the way. My role within the, the organization is Chief Customer Officer, as you said, and fundamentally I'm about building out the, the UK ecosystem here, looking at better ways to, to buy, sell, and remortgage property. Fantastic. Well, welcome and uh, congratulations on the successes in the UK and indeed Australia so far. So we have a welcome return for Francesca Carlesi, co-founder and CEO of Molo Finance. Welcome back, Francesca. Delighted to have you on the show again. What should our audience know about you and Molo Finance? Yeah, okay. It's great to be back. And thank you all for having me and talking about mortgages, which is uh, my, my passion is so wide, right? So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm the founder of Molo. I mean, we founded a company a few years back. And our mission really to make mortgages much easier for everybody in the UK. So what Molo is, is a digitally native mortgage lender. So we are a full stack lender that has digitized the full origination and processing process for mortgages with a goal to eliminate as much as possible all frictions that usually are there when people want to buy a house and specifically 
get a mortgage. So we are a debt-to-consumer lender, we are regulated, but recently, and that's the topic for today, we also launched a pilot in mortgage as a service, in the mortgage as a service space. It's been a little bit of a low profile so far, but very promising already. Looking forward to hearing about it. Thank you. And then finally, it's a return to a welcome return to Fintech Insider for Ewan Silver, Group CTO of 11FS. Welcome back, Ewan. Can you remind our listeners what you do here at 11FS to the extent it's not obvious from your title as <laughs> Group CTO? Hey, thank you. Well, I'll tell you what's not obvious. It's, I think, the first time you and I have done a podcast, right? So, it is, I think, yeah. So as you say, I'm Group CTO here at 11FS. So my job is to basically run all the engineering teams and sort of lead our architecture and engineering strategy and build capabilities. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for joining. Let's dive in. So let's start by discussing what we mean by mortgages as a service and how we're seeing this play out in the market so far. At 11FS, we define banking as a service as the provision of complete banking processes such as loans, payments or deposit accounts as a service using an existing licensed bank's secure and regulated infrastructure. Banking as a service enables third-party brands to embed banking services into their products and services and offer them to their customers at the point of need, usually using APIs. So, Francesca, if we look at the concept of mortgages as a service, how do you define mortgages as a service? What does that look like? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So I think it's very similar to what you mentioned from general banking as a service. Like We all borrow in this terminology from the SaaS, if you want terminology. So for us, mortgage as a service, there are some tweaks, though, compared to what the usually is banking as a service. So we define mortgage as a service as the, really the provision of an end-to-end solution to originate, process, and ideally even service mortgages to any third party, whether that third party might be financial or non-financial. And that's where I think there might be a, dif- a difference. So we, mortgage as a service can be as, you know, the provision of origination platform for mortgages to a real estate agency, for example, or to even to a bank that for any reason, a lot of banks actually today don't have a digital or direct online channel for mortgages, right? So it's still the end-to-end provision of services by third party that doesn't require any tech integration or any direct build from, from the third party directly. Thank you. Andrew, let's bring you in. We talk about sort of embedding finance, or in this case, mortgages at the, at the point of need. Where, where is the point of need with mortgages? Um, where, <laughs> where does the mortgage need to be embedded? I think, I think fundamentally, it's about it's about buying that home, right? Yeah. And we we talk about it, and it's we talk about it being one of the most you know momentous uh, experiences for someone, but also one of the most painful that uh, people go through on their, their journeys and. It's really about how do you make it as seamless as you can, understanding where people are buying the house, what's their engagement with it, who are the actors that they engage with, um, who's trusted in that ecosystem of the estate agents, the brokers, the banks, the lenders, et cetera, and really figuring out how do we do it as seamlessly as we, as we can do to help people into their homes as quickly as we can do and in as low a friction way as we can do fundamentally. Ewan, as a, as a simple strategist, I sort of tend to think, oh, this is really easy. The tech people can just sort this out. Just just use the API, right? Um, <laughs> how how difficult is some of this in practice, right? It's all very well saying, hey, you know, build an API, but but there's tons of work that has to be done here. What are some of the problems that um, companies come across as they start trying to deliver end-to-end, you know, seamless, as Andrew put it, you know, seamless sort of mortgage processing? Well, 
I mean, I, I, I'd be interested to get Francesca and Andrew's view on this because obviously they're building that platform end to end. But I think if you look at it, different people have different problems. So um, if you look at the banks, the banks fundamentally have problems integrating into their core systems. You know, they're, they're, they've got legacy systems, uh, they, their adaption layers are poor, and probably also governance and regulation, um, the way that people integrate into that. So I guess I'd be interested to hear from Francesca and Andrew, you know, how are you overcoming those problems and how do you actually help banks and, and other people plug into it? People like the estate agents, I guess, are relatively easy because they've got a website and they can just layer something over the top of it. The problem zone is, is much more the back end, isn't it? Yeah. We did face lots of challenges, but you know, that's our job to address challenges. So um, I think in the, the experience we had so far, um, I think I distill it to a couple two or three challenges that are there, right? So one is the absolute lack of any standardization in the mortgage market. And that is a massive problem because everything seems has to be bespoke. When I say everything, I mean there is no standardized APIs, if you think about it, and affordability and aff affordability is the same, there is regulation regulating it, yet everybody does it in a different way. It still doesn't exist as standardized APIs in the backend, but even a standardized set of rules, right? So lack of standardization drives the need to have hugely tailored solutions, which typically are not a very good match for any service, you know, mortgage as a service proposition, because you, you look for standardization. So that's issue number one. And in our case, what you had to do to address that was to, you need to really, from a tech point of view even, so I'm sure this is familiar for you. I always tell my tech team this is very easy, but it seems like it's not. We had to build a highly configurable and modular system, which honestly, it, it, it was not obvious at the beginning. But then you wonder, does it really need to be that way? Because in reality, we are all assessing the same type of borrower, the same loan. Why is every bank thinking that they know it better. So I think there is a general problem about standardization or even a credit rules. And the second one is more about ownership of the underwriting. That is very relevant when our counterparty is a financial institution. So we're using their license. So they effectively are just having a white label product for them, which is what we're doing now uh, for um, international banks. So in that case, the problem is that there, the risk is on their side. So there is a it's difficulty to let automated rules decide the outcome without even looking at that. That's, I think, is a bit legacy thinking because I think you and I know that some, sometimes automation is not a synonym for cutting corners. It's the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, in this industry, automation is seen as, oh my gosh, I need to check it manually because manually I know be better. And I think, this is, I think this is something that can only be overcome with time and education. So we are now starting with very simple cases, let automated rules do their work, and then people will kind of see the outcome and you do back testing all the time. But I think these are the two main issues. Um, I think there is a third one, which is more regulatory, I would say, that because mortgage is one of the heaviest regulated products, I think, in the, in, in the banking industry, for obvious reasons. So there is a lot of risk aversion and very little appetite for change or embrace change or embrace anything that is a little bit innovative. And that, I think, is what has industry like me a little bit behind, right? But even when you do something innovative, it's always a question about who holds the regulatory risk. And this is something that needs to be addressed in a case-by-case -case situation. 
is my two cents, hopefully. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think your point, Francesca, is, is spot on, particularly those first two points about sort of the, the requirement to change and that flexibility. Uh, you know, I think a lot of banks, you know, they, they think they're, they're unique, um, you know, in that way of, you know, so that actually a lot of their business rules and so on and so forth require configuration, and I put that in, in quotation marks. But I think your subsequent point about actually a lot of them are probably quite the same, and, you know, getting that degree is, is fundamental. And it's the same across any SaaS service in banking, whether it's payments or anything else. A lot of banks think this way. Just before we go even deeper into the challenges, which I think which is the, is the crux of this, Andrew, I'd just love to bring you back in on just some of the benefits for the market here. So the benefits for, for customers of sort of better processing, straight through processing of, the, of this kind of seamless processing you were talking about, and also the potential benefits for different players in the market, right? Um, obviously, faster processes are good for everybody. They save time, therefore save money, uh, potentially reduce stress. But, you know, what? what's potentially different here? And what do you see as some of the benefits for customers of sort of actually starting to embed mortgages into other things more effectively? Yeah, I think fundamentally, it comes back to speed. And, you know, if you look at the, the durations at the moment, from the mortgage offer going out through to the customer actually getting keys, we're talking about 18 to 24 weeks, right, with dropout rates in the region of 30%. At, they peaked at 50% in the first quarter of this year. Just to put that into perspective, in other markets globally and around the world, in Australia, for example, you're at 0.2% dropout rate. So there is no reason why we should have such a high dropout rate or the, the transaction timelines being as long as they are with the amount of stress and pain and uh, detriment that are created through that process. So what we need to do is come together and as, a, as an industry, as Francesca was talking about, and say, how do we do this better? How do we build this coalition of people that are forward-thinking that says, fundamentally, the way that my parents bought and sold their house shouldn't be the way that my children buy and sell their house. We need to do things differently. We can't still rely on fax machines and paper. <laughs> this is 2023, and you know we need to be forward-thinking here. One benefit I, I also notice is that we don't... I think we talk about the process and seamless experience and speed. However, I think what we notice is in the, this market, this is also driving inefficient outcomes. This is a massively opaque market where nobody knows what the best mortgage for them is because it's impossible to identify. You don't know what the criteria has, what they know. And so at the end, I think there are a lot of people that don't necessarily get the cheapest price. And, and it's, it's simply inefficient in, in, in that respect. And there are some you know, agents and parties that can take advantage of that. Well, let's move on to our, our next section. So we've we've given an overview of sort of what the concept is and, and sort of some of the ch challenges, it, some of the problems it might tackle and some of the benefits. But let's have a think now about how does this, how does this help the market as a whole, right? So, so if we're building mortgages as a service, as a product, who are the partners that are going to embed mortgages into other things? Now, obviously, the mortgage gets embedded into home buying. That's the obvious thing to embed it into. So maybe to you, Francesca, as you're building out this mortgage as a service. I can see why banks would want to um, offer this product as a offer a mortgage as a service to try and open up more distribution. But who are the partners that you're thinking will potentially want to work with you or who are the partners you're seeing in other markets? Is that house builders? Um, is it estate agents? What are the types of companies that might embed a mortgage into their own propositions to try and create those kind of seamless processes that Andrew's talking about? Well, I think there are probably, we see, 
yeah, two, two types of, of, of players. Um, one is definitely retail banks. So uh, let me maybe mention that, uh, which is today, the majority of mortgages, especially in Europe, are, are issued by banks. Um, in UK in particular, though, these banks mostly originate through brokers. So they're incredibly, you know, compared to anything else, but the majority of banks in the UK in particular don't have a direct online channel, don't have a automated origination platform for mortgage, don't even have a, a the base, they just have an internal workflow tool typically. So right now, and this is very inefficient, very inefficient not only in terms of customer spheres, but also in terms of ownership of the customer, because effective banks are not able, they get, and we know for a fact, they get customer going to their website, they're not able to even proceed further for a mortgage and then bounce back and ask to talk to a broker. But the other problem is operational costs, because from a banking point of view, if you don't automate some of these activities, you should not forget mortgage is not a high margin product, right? Margins are very tight, profitability is very tight. So if you do need to have an army of underwriters to underwrite it, then your cost of remains very high and are really very low. So there is a, a perfect storm, I think, happening now in, in banking in the last couple of years, where, whereas a lot of banks are really more interested in developing a direct online channel, a direct automated platform for mortgages, and they are finding it difficult to do it in-house. Finding it difficult because it's not just about legacy tech, it's mostly primarily about legacy compliance. So the fact is you need to re-engineer the process, right, to automate mortgages. It's not just, okay, another piece of tech and then you're done. It's about re-engineering the logic of how you do underwriting and changing policies, revisiting your lending policy. So it's an end-to-end process that we know many banks have tried to do it, but they are now stuck and they're effectively considering more partnering or outsourcing effectively. But that's player number one. And I think then the second type of player for us is um, non-financial parties that are related to the home buying process. Primarily, I would say real estate agencies online. So parties like Rimo, Supla, we, we've seen in the US, right, what, what's happened with people like Zillow and so on. So it goes down to what Andrew was saying, you know, at the end, people want to buy a house, not a mortgage. So nobody really cares about the, buying the mortgage. So if in that moment of need, when you want to buy a home, you could just click a button and make it happen in a second, everybody would do it. I would do it, right? So the point is, can we embed mortgages in that process when you actually have to you're looking at your property, look at your house, you want to know whether you want to, you can afford it or not, and that's done, and then you focus on the property. So I think real estate agencies for me is a first party. And probably later on, later on, because you know, and they're not so retail oriented, but um could be housing associations, property builders and this type of players. Andrew, what's your view on this question? I mean, I, I always think the classic example of sort of embedded banking is Apple with, you know, Apple Pay and Apple Cards. So if we take it to mortgages, that kind of means Apple Home. <laughs> Andrew, who are you thinking might be the players that potentially would embed a mortgage into another product or service? I mean, based on the progress of Apple and Goldman Sachs <laughs> at the moment, I probably wouldn't put it past Apple to to put it into the Apple wallet at, at some point and, and integrate it with Rightmove and the portals. I mean, fundamentally, as, as Francesca was saying, search, search is your first point of contact, right? So how do you actually find that home or property that, that you love and that you, that you want to buy? Um, and I think that's that's the obvious 
first point for it. And then on the flip side, it's when you decide, okay, I fundamentally, I want to sell my property um, and, and clear that. How does that then work from, from an outgoing perspective as well? So attitude natural sits for it. I think the only thing that I would say is that we, we talk a lot about banks here today, and, but obviously what we also see is the, the mutual sector driving a lot of innovation in the space. Obviously, the Skipton Group came out yesterday with their, their um, zero deposit mortgage, 100% LTV. Um, the guys at Hinkley and Rugby driving the, the innovation there in the sector. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past the, the mutual sector as well to say fundamentally, how do we do things differently and how do we deliver a, a better customer experience than we have today? Yeah, and what do you think about this question, I mean, which Francesca raised about mortgages as a service potentially providing some, maybe some smaller banks and building societies and so on with a with a way of lending that sort of skips past their existing lending systems. Do you think they're going to be, their firms are going to be interested in sort of taking the whole piece, taking the mortgage as a service, or do you think they really just want a new digital lending platform, just the technology? Do you think they actually want the, the lending piece as well? Um, I think it's, it's possible. The, the thing I think is interesting, sort of uh, Andrew's point about the mutuals, you, you know, these guys, you take the credit unions in the US and people like that as well. These are small organizations generally, right? So they often just do not have the capacity fund a large part of these, these technology programs. So I can imagine the mortgage as a service would be perfect for these people. You know, they don't, often don't have technology teams. So actually, for someone to come along and just take that wholesale, I think would be a very, very good use case. Um, and I think if you can, if people can start to wrap up uh, an offering for the mutuals or the credit, uh, credit unions, people like that, it would be, I think it would probably get a lot of resonance in the market. Whether they would be willing to put their funding model behind it, I, I guess, you know, people would, you know, that's how banks ultimately make money, right? Net interest margin, they borrow cheap and, and, and lend long. So uh, I think, you know, they would want to have exposure to that market. So the ability to plug in their lending behind the scenes, I think is fundamental. Obviously, you know, the mutuals are, I think, are a different problem to, to the big banks because as, as Francesca alluded to earlier, you know, the big banks have, have a lot of this technology, but, you know, they're behemoths, they're monolithic, they're, it's the mindset and the regulatory all their perceived regulatory issues as much as the actual regulatory issues that I think were stopping them. But I could definitely see, you know, some people just say, actually, do you know what? We'll move this. But they'll, they'll need to get resonance probably in the short, in the, in the smaller end of the market first. I would guess the mutuals and so on and so forth uh, where you'll get traction. Andrew, let's pick up on that regulatory point that, that Ewan just made. How comfortable do you think regulators in Australia, in the UK or, or elsewhere might be with this? I mean, my sense is maybe they'd be a bit more comfortable if this is initially, let's say, some building societies or some credit unions embedding mortgages from, let's say, Molo or someone like Molo. I can see them, them being comfortable with financial institutions embedding mortgages from third parties. But what about if it's like estate agents or property listing sites? You know, would you like a mortgage with that house? I think I, I think it depends on what does the journey look like and what's the level of advice and what's the risk associated with it. I think is is fundamentally my answer. I think it's a very uh, politician's answer of it depends, Benjamin, about how it's actually implemented as to what it looks like. If we came to a position where a large estate agent was starting to give advice on whole of market products and was acting essentially as an intermediary, that's that. I just don't think that's going to fly by any stretch of the imagination. Where there's an embedded finance model whereby there's an execution only journey, um, and they went down that route, then absolutely, I could see that that 
as being comfortable with that or at least starting to get comfortable with that as a, as a journey and a, and a flow associated with it. But we're really on a, we're really on a journey here. And, you know, fundamentally the, the broker and intermediary space still accounts for 80% of, of mortgages originated here in the UK. Right. So um, there's still some way to go before we, we move out of that. Francesca, you talked about the pilot that you're, you're launching and presumably you've, you've had some initial conversations with the regulators. I don't suppose you can tell us the entire content of those conversations, but have you, what have you, what have you, what have you, so what have your contacts with the regulators been so far? Yeah, so of course we are in touch with regulator a lot in the UK, you need to. So on this specific topic, I think it, the answer is quite simple, the way at least we experienced so far. I think the regulator is, in, especially if you talk about residential regulated mortgages, for the regulator it's important to know that the entity providing it, bringing about original mortgage is regulated. Now, once there is regulated, then it's subject to the, their supervision. And so effectively you need your force to really stick to all the rules of proper conduct and, and all related to this. What that means is that in a mortgage as a service um, combination, one of the, the following needs to be true. Either the, the bank or the counterparty needs to be a regulated entity. So that's true, for example, for if you are, if, when you are providing like a one-label solution to a bank, they're using their own license and the regulator is comfortable because effectively they're subject to the same supervision, the same rules and all that. However, if it was a real estate agency, then effectively the regulator is very keen that the party providing the mortgage service proposition is regulated. So in our case, in our, for us, it is important to be a regulated entity to be able to also provide mortgage service proposition, which is a bit counterintuitive because you think it's just about tech, right? And you don't need to be regulated. But if you want to talk to counterparty that they're not regulated themselves, you actually need to have a license because otherwise, well, they will not even have the ability to play in that space. So that's how the regulator sees it. Provided you one of the two entities regulated, then they will exercise all the supervision they need to exercise. But otherwise, it would be impossible, effectively. Unless you stop, you just do a nice journey, but then effectively you don't really issue the mortgage and it's very, very mechanistic and it, then it doesn't deliver the outcome you want, really. Got it. There's a lot to unpack in this, in this area. Okay, well, we're just going to take a quick pause here and we will be back very shortly. A lot of you know 11FS for our chart-topping podcasts, our events, videos, reports, and a bunch of other cool stuff that we do. But what a lot of you don't know is that this is just all our side hustle. We do so much more than that. At 11FS Ventures, we're partnering with ambitious businesses around the world to design, build, and launch truly digital financial services. We are building banks, shaping new propositions, and growing existing offerings that change the fabric of financial services. And our design, research, strategy and engineering experts are working to improve your customer's relationship with money. To find out a little bit more, check us out at 11fs.com forward slash ventures. Okay, so we've had a sort of overview of what mortgages as a service could be. We talked about some of the challenges to overcome. Let's think about what, what this could look like in the future. So, I suppose one of the things I'm I'm sort of wrestling with here a little bit is what's the difference between mortgages as a service and just better mortgage 
tech. I suppose it's come, I'm kind of coming back to this question you were touching on earlier, Jörn, of fundamentally, is this what partners need? I suppose it depends on the partner, doesn't it? If you're a, if you're a licensed entity, you may simply be looking for better tech, but if you haven't got the capital, then maybe you're you're up for it. What's your view, Ewan, on on the likelihood of this taking off? Do you think this is going to have strong appeal to different players in the market? I, I think it will. I think that um, you know, as we touched on earlier, the, the mutuals and so on and so forth, they lack the they lack the financial resources to buy this. I think the big banks, um, you know, they've spent a lot of money on this, and and change is hard in a bank. Uh, I think that's You've seen it with the challenger banks, for example. You know, people at RBS actually standing up a proper bank like Metal and being able to, to, to move it off. That being off to the side has been really important. Um, I'm not suggesting that a bank would, would put its mortgage off to the side, but actually putting the technology stream off to the side and building a new one to allow people to onboard would probably be a good mechanism in for these, these banks. So I can see it taking off. I think, you know, uh, there is a challenge in actually just getting viability in the market. You know, the, reg- the regulator happy, as Francesca and, and Andrew have talked about. Uh, but it's 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 definitely going to work. A- Andrew, a big part of what PEXA does is takes pain out of the market for all sorts of parties in the market by improving communications, as you said, you know, speeding, speeding the whole process. How much difference is mortgage as a service and, you know, mortgages that are getting embedded into other processes? How much difference is that going to make? Do you see that as something that's going to really help improve the sort of wider home buying headache or is it just part of a bigger picture? I think it will help the, the home buying headache, as you, as you term it, if there's an end-to-end view of it. So if we don't just think about it as terms of how do we get the mortgage offer out the door as quickly as we can do, and we talk about how do we get the borrower into their home as quickly as we can do? So we look at both the, the mortgage offer going out, but then the conveyancing process. We look at the, the surveying process and we say, fundamentally, how do we bring together those services um, into a, a single proposition that says it's fundamentally home buying as a service, right? And how do we get people to buy their homes and transact property as a service much quicker or much more efficiently than we do today? I like that. Francesca, home buying as a service, um, is that is that your longer term goal? Yeah, well, one way or the other. Yeah, so I fully agree. Yes, it's about home buying at the end. We should not forget, as I mentioned before, home finance is just one part of that. But what people really want is the, the home. So, so yeah, gradually, we, we have an aspiration to go beyond um, home financing eventually. But as you know, right, when you build a company to step you know, you first walk and then you run. We're going to get there. And I do think that I think, Andrew, what you guys are doing on the conveyancing side is really exciting because what we found out, we thought that the pain points, the beginning, when I started the company a few years back, we thought that the pain points were most related to getting a mortgage offer. But unfortunately, in the UK, what happens between offer and completion is a disaster. So uh, nobody's cracked that. So I think it's great to see you guys here. Uh, we should talk more. Which which countries do we think have got the right kind of conditions for, for sort of mortgages as a service to take off? And I realise it's an incredibly difficult question. It's a little bit unfair on my panelists, but you know, you you know, markets like Australia and Italy and so on a little bit. Do we do we see a country where we think this proposition might take off a little bit faster than others? Okay, I can chip in here, and then you guys feel free to. I mean, of course, I haven't explored all, all the markets, although we do look at international expansions every once in a while and so on. I, I think, so maybe a couple of points here. One, mortgage service has developed a lot in the US. 
So the US is a market where mortgage tech is highly developed, has been growing a lot, is a market by itself. It's very strange in Europe has not happened, but that's where probably the conditions were in place because you know the level of tech adoption is large, a lot of bank institutions, data are digitized and so on. Moving on cyber US, I think the conditions that needs to be there is that you need to have um, digital data are important. So the availability of a digital infrastructure in the country is important. And that's a key enabler. And then the second one is a bit a digital consumption. So having consumers or banks forced or like looking at improving experience. Otherwise, if the market is very static, you don't have any competitive pressure to do so, then you don't do it. So having said that, I think what we've seen so far, I think good markets for this could be the Nordics would be very good markets because in the Nordics, banks are really digital, although some of them, they might have done it themselves. Italy is a very bad market. <laughs> Italy is not good. There is no company pressure. Everybody goes to their bank to, to get a mortgage. And in fact, the whole infrastructure in terms of data is very poor. I would like to think that Australia is very good. We have recently some dealings with Australia and not much. There's been some evolution in mortgage tech, but the conditions are there. That could be a very interesting market. I must say in Europe, it's a little bit sketchy. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's not uneasy because every market is very, yeah, it's not very developed in that respect. One of the things I think is interesting is probably the markets that aren't good. So weirdly, I, you kind of say the UK is an interesting one because it hits a lot of the criteria on that digital native thing, digital, yeah. intake environment around here is very positive. You know, a lot of people want to engage in it. But then to Andrew's point, you know, the conveyancing and the, and the chains and so on and so forth, it can take, what, 12 plus weeks to, to get a house. You've got this weird, weird problem with the UK where actually, you know, doing the mortgage would work well. And I think, you know, if you can solve that end-to-end house-buying journey problem, the UK would be the perfect market for this, right? Because it's not problems you have in other places. And that's the critical, critical thing, I think. Does that mean Scotland? Because obviously Scotland's got a much better legal system in this, at least in this regard, than England and Wales. So we're basically saying Scotland is actually the, a great place. I mean, it would be, a, a, it has a different legal yeah. system, Benjamin. Uh, there's, there, there are opinions on better or worse. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you're, you're absolutely right in that. It, it would be a great, a great place to, to launch and then, and then figure out from there as well, obviously. But it's a smaller jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, Ewan, it seems to me that quite a lot of fintechs active in this area sort of focus on B2C and trying to own the customer and so on. And yet, a lot of the problems are really in the back end. Do you think we're going to see more fintechs focusing on sort of B2B and, and you know, trying to fix the back end rather than trying to own the customer at the front end? I think, I think so. I, I probably, you know, I think the basic technology of loan management and so on and so forth is a relatively solved problem. I'll use the word relatively there. I think probably the area that the fintechs can really make a difference is, is cleaning up the data. Um, you know, a lot of that data, you said the UK, the land registry, for example, you know, a lot of that data is available, but it's in textual format and it's, it's hard to get hold of. I think that's the sort of data that the, the big bank, sorry, the big banks down because they can't quite be guaranteed of the quality of that data. You know, if you could get someone to start cleaning up that data, you know, you look at, I know you, I'm not suggesting you run it through chat GPT or any of the large language models, but actually things like that can start to extract out the data in meaningful ways. I think there's opportunity there to really improve that, which I'm guessing is going to then flow back into the Molo experience and so forth and allow you to, to, to improve that. But the data management side is the area I would assume people are going to go for. So that's a super, super interesting point. 
Andrew, one thing that sort of bothers me a little bit thinking about this is if you get use payments as a service, let's say, you know, you're on some platform, you're buying something and there's the payments are embedded and you, you know, you don't really have a choice and you just do the payment. Well, chances are that doesn't cost you anything as a customer and the, you know, if the merchant they make a decision or whatever. Um, if I get my mortgage from my house builder, let's say, or housing association or even an estate agent, I probably don't get a choice. Potentially that I, I have some harm there because potentially I take a more expensive mortgage than there might be available elsewhere in the market or I take a mortgage that isn't well suited to me. Do you think the regulators may actually come back on this point and say, hang on a minute, you can't embed a mortgage because if you embed a mortgage, you're kind of taking away customer choice and there might be some customer detriment. Is that? Do you think that's a long-term issue here, that, that if the mortgage that's embedded is not a choice of mortgages? I can, I, could, I can absolutely see the argument there, Benjamin, but I think there just needs to be the right controls in place to, to manage that. And fundamentally, it should be about choice and it should be about actually, you know what, you can get your mortgage through the, the home builder and this is the rate that you're getting, this is the journey. Or actually, this is the, the best comparison, right? So in the same way that energy companies now have to provide you with the, the best rate comparison um, when, you, when you're up for renewal, I could see something similar happening in this space, whereby actually from an ease of use perspective and from a low friction journey, you might pay 20 basis points more. And actually, you'd be pretty comfortable doing that because you, you know the journey, you know the parties involved, and you know what the transaction is going to look like versus then having to go through a, a whole different journey for, for what could be a, a, you know, a reasonably significant but not material uh, amount of money in the in the longer term. Okay, I'm going to bring us all back for the the question we asked at the top about could mortgages as a service mark the future of home buying? And to make the question a bit harder to answer, I'm going to tighten it up a little bit. So could we see mortgages as a service accounting for, let's say, a quarter of mortgages in a big market somewhere in the world in the next five years? Do we think mortgages as a service could be could be substantial within the next five years? So I think I think you're going to struggle to get up to those kind of proportions with the incumbents in place, accounting for the amount of flow that, that they currently have and the, the, the domination that they have today. I think that in terms of rate of change, then absolutely, right? And you can see that with new innovations in the market. I think, you know, we talked about Apple earlier, they raised a billion deposits in four days, right? So there is absolutely appetite there for new innovations in the market to take market share and to take significant market share quickly. Um, but I just can't see us getting to those kind of proportions within five years from from where we are today um, across either, you know, likely Australia or the, or the UK. Ewan? Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't be boring to agree with Andrew. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, those, those are big numbers, but I, I do agree. Uh, I think, you know, people will start to put... Uh, body through this, but it will ramp up slowly. You're not going to get sort of a, a Monzo style coal card and get the community building around it. That's that's it's a fundamental different market. I set the bar too high, didn't I? Francesca. Okay. I need to be bolder here. So I so I think it will definitely speed of change will be rapid, mostly because now it's a very complex sphere. So it, people will adopt it. And the old banking system is unbundling, so banks realize they don't need to do everything else and and, and so on. So I, I don't think it's too bold. If you think 25% in UK is like 50 billion per annum on new volumes, provide if you if one player were to provide mortgage service to the top two banks, 
you reach that number, right? It's very concentrated. So, yeah, it's ambitious. Okay, let's put it this way. But, you know, it's not impossible if you give it five years rather than three. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you all so much. That wraps up uh, today's discussion. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find out a little bit more about each of you and your companies? Uh, Francesca? Yeah, so we are at modelfinance.com and then on LinkedIn as well at modelfinance. Thank you. Andrew? Uh, just put Pexa into Google. It would be the quickest way. Uh, or ask Alexa all about us. Or ask ChipGPT. And Ewan? Uh, well, as you know, I have my first run a podcast and do a few other things. I'm sure you can find us on, on the web um, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And similarly, you can find me, Benjamin Ensor, on LinkedIn and you can find out all about what the team are doing at 11fs.com. So thank you to all of you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to the podcast. Please let us know what you'd like to hear about in future shows or let us know what you'd like us to do differently or, or better in the show. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media, search for 11fs.com or FinTech Insider, or you can even email us on podcasts at 11fs.com. Thank you all so much for listening and goodbye.